1: Have you asked yourself the question, why do I go to church? Do I go to church so I can get my needs met? Or do I go to church so I can obey God, come into a faith fellowship with Him, so I can honor the living God?
0: That's Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today on Reaching Your Heart, we start the Revelation series with a message entitled, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the revelation of Jesus Christ. You can find this entire group of messages at reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the current broadcasts there on the main page. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org video. That's reachinghearts.org video. Previous messages are archived there along with the actual live broadcast at the time it happens. And we hope that you'll join us. Again, remember that phone number. It's 888-244-HOPE. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart.
1: You know, thieves are now going to church and they're stealing anything they can find of value. It's a fact. They don't go to find Christ or God. They go to find copper and lead and anything that has value. Lead and copper have, in fact, become the new silver and gold in this recessionary period, this world recession that we're living in. Last year, the Church of England filed 96 claims due to metal thieves stealing statues and metal parts of roofs. It was unbelievable. I mean, there's literally a fortune plastered on old churches in England, and the thieves have discovered it, and it's an easy, easy prey. So how do you prevent these thieves from stripping off copper and lead from the roofs of old churches? I mean, the clerics now have a new focus, how to save the church roofs from thieves. In some dioceses in the Church of England, seven churches a day are targeted by these thieves. I mean, imagine you're walking down the street and there's a thief ripping off the roof of the church. I mean, just this last week, there was a, someone who threw a brick through our minivan on the property. That can happen, can it? And what do you do when that kind of thing happens? You say, praise the Lord. The assault on historic houses of faith has been called catastrophic by the insurance companies. I guess they would view it as such, because they have to pay for the expense. So forces have united to save the day for the churches of England. The Church of England, the Association of Chief Police Officers, and the Home Office have united forces to install a new device, a new alarm device that they believe will end this stealing spree. An insurance company has donated 500,000 English pounds to install the new devices on the top of the churches. One hundred churches in England, Scotland and Wales, will receive this special technological intervention. The plan is simple. Special motion devices will be planted on the roofs to sense the movement of thieves. And just as they move to steal expensive statues, ornate an copper and lead and like, a loud voice will sound the alarm as if God is speaking from heaven. A special audio intervention will come into play to save the day when they trip the motion detector. These voice of God detectors, as they're called, they will right then and there alert the criminal that heaven has seen what they are doing and that a security official is on the way and if they don't get off the roof, they're going to be busted. The voice of God detectors are England's best hope to save its historic churches. Friends, we are living in a day When churches all over the world are in deep trouble because they don't want to listen to the voice of God. We're living in a day when there are no voice of God detectors in the church like there used to be in times gone by. The Christian church has entered an end time malaise in which church life has become a game of spiritual manipulation where superstar preachers and music video worship services and light shows foment a group psychology akin to the modern rock concert. We are living in a day when church has been transformed into a riot environment. New techniques are being used because the pulpits of the land have abandoned the simplicity and the spiritual power of the naked Word of God. Many people go to church today to get an emotional fix instead of getting fixed by the Word of God. People go for social reasons, emotional reasons, and financial reasons, but more and more people don't go for God's reasons. Have you asked yourself the question, why do I go to church Do I go to church so I can get my needs met? Or do I go to church so I can obey God, come into a faith fellowship with Him, so I can honor the living God? You know, prosperity theology is a modern deception that holds a powerful grip on people of faith because it teaches eager beaver believers that they can manipulate God. They can manipulate God into making them wealthy. You know, you put the right money in the plate, you put your seat out there, and suddenly God blesses you, and you'll be prosperous. Go to church to get rich. The new copper thieves are the preachers and the teachers that say that God will pay you back if you pay up at church. The slot machine theology of the modern pulpit is destitute of the truth of Jesus. The timeless cure for bad attitudes and empty lives is and has always been Jesus Christ. The only cure for the broken heart on the eve of the advent of Jesus is the person, the presence, and the power of the beautiful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The church today needs a revelation of Jesus Christ that changes the church from the inside. Not some gimmick or some political platform to make the church feel relevant as it's doing something in the world whereby it feels like it's somehow religious enough to make a difference. Not some new theology to make you feel smart to unbelievers. Not some brilliant exposition of symbols to make you believe that you have the inside scoop to end time events so you can move through history with confidence and no one else can. The church today needs Jesus Christ. Unabashedly, it needs Jesus Christ. The church cannot be triumphant in evil days ahead unless it is totally consumed with the vision of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, and the passion of Jesus, which is in essence the revelation of Jesus Christ in the church. Now it's no accident the last book of the Bible is the only book that begins with what we all need in these last days. It begins with a bold proclamation that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the original Greek, it reads like this, Apocalypse, Jesu Christu, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Just before Christ died, Jesus affirmed for all time what is the most important truth for the Christian church period. I mean, I've heard all kinds of things in the pulpits across our land. I've heard preachers get up and say, well, what we need here is a new giving program. What we need here is more evangelism. I like giving evangelism. Don't misunderstand me. Well, they said what we need is to go back to the basics. Dear heart, what we need is Christ. Christ crucified. The basics will be there if Christ is there because He is the sum total of all that God has for us. We need Jesus more and more as we near the end of the age. In John 17, 3, just before He died, Christ prayed for the truth, the ultimate truth to be embodied in the church. They would live into the ages and it would culminate in the second coming. And Christ had spoken these words, John 17, 1. He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Thy Son, that the Son may glorify Thee, since Thou hast given Him power over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom Thou hast given Him. And then verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. Eternal life is not a gimmick. Eternal life is not some trick you play on God with faith. Eternal life is not some potion you mix up whereby you secure your salvation. Eternal life is in God. God has given his life within the son of God, and eternal life is a revelation of God through Jesus Christ that becomes a personal knowledge of Jesus that takes you into eternity. The book of Revelation starts with the single most important truth for your life. It doesn't start with beasts that persecute. It doesn't introduce 666 on your forehead. It doesn't begin with the four angels holding back the four winds. And it doesn't instantly slip into the topic of the seven last plagues. The book of Revelation starts with the one truth. With the great truth. The central truth. The source of all truth. The one truth that will lead you into eternal life, it begins with the great person who loves you, who can meet the need of a sinful, selfish, and broken heart every day for the rest of a life that can be mended. It begins with the desire of ages. The man and the person who is the timeless antidote for the longing that leaves life empty without him, it begins with the cure. Apocalypsis Jesu Christu, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Greek word apocalypsis literally means unveiling. When you move through the pages of the book of Revelation, you are literally unveiling the Christmas wrapping of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now how many of you like Christmas here? It's not Christmas, but how many of you like it? You know, we ought to have a Christmas party sometime in the spring. This idea that Christmas can only happen one time a year is totally bankrupt. Now what I like about Christmas is that the presents are there. Now when I was a child, I liked it a lot more than I do now. But I like the fact that you go there and you can just kind of take the presents. How many of you like open your presents quickly, just ripping off the wrapping, getting to it, and you're done? The fun of this is watching your children take those presents and then just kind of pull the wrapping. Maybe the dog will be pulling at a piece of it too. And little by little, get to where the present is. It's the journey of the unveiling to the present that is the real joy for me at Christmas. I don't like quickly undoing the thing i like seeing it happen slowly so i think next year when i wrap christmas presents i'm going to get six or seven boxes to put a little watch or something in and wrap them up in different kinds of ways so they have to go through 23 layers to get there just to enjoy the event now the book of revelation is a layered revelation of jesus christ god has wrapped christ into this book And as you unpeel the layers, as you discover the symbols, you get to the heart of the glory of God, the revelation of who Jesus is. Revelation 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place, and he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Now, there's so much in this one sentence. Scholars have long debated what this first phrase actually means, the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the Greek, the genitive case translated revelation of, the emphasis on the word of here is dynamic. The of can mean a few things, not just one. It can mean a revelation by Jesus Christ, a subjective genitive use in the Greek. That would mean that Jesus is the one who delivers the revelation. Christ is the one interactive in giving it. That means the book of Revelation is a personal interaction with Jesus Christ as he comes to you to speak to you. The genitive case can also indicate the source of something. A genitive source meaning from. If this is the idea, then it means that the book came from Jesus Christ. Now this is not as likely since verse 1 says God gave it to him. It can also mean the revelation about Jesus Christ. When analyzed, it almost likely means both by and about. The book of Revelation is by Jesus Christ, and the book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ too. I've heard people say the prophecies are not important, but only the gospel. Have you ever heard that? Don't talk about Daniel and Revelation, those beasts. Just give me Jesus. And they sound so pious saying this. I've heard preachers say this. You know, they get their PhD and they think they know more than the New Testament. And they pontificate about, oh, we just need Jesus. This prophecy stuff gets in the way of Christ. If you have too much of it, you won't go close to Christ. And I've heard them say this as if the prophecies aren't important. They say the gospel is important. But when you listen well, they don't know what that is. And those people simply do not understand that the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, Jesus is the gospel. That Christ is the subject matter. He is the content of the gospel. And if the revelation of Jesus Christ is about Christ, then it is wrapped in the gospel as part of it. That means that when you study the book of Revelation, it's Jesus who is actively speaking to you. It is Jesus you come to know when you study this book and get it right. We need a revelation of Jesus Christ. John 17, 3, And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. In the Greek, this is Ahenides. It could be like this, That they might know thee, the only true God, that is, that is Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. If you want a relationship with Jesus Christ that makes it through to the end of time, then you need to interact with the revelation of Jesus Christ in time. Revelation one verse one again, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants what must soon take place. And he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. verse 1 says, God gave it. Now, if God gave us something, do we have any right to act like it doesn't matter? If God gave this to Christ for you, it is of extreme importance that you receive the gift. Merry Christmas from God. The book of Revelation is an apocalypsis, an unveiling, an unwrapping of Jesus Christ. This book is of divine origin. I know scholars who have studied its structure. The entire book is laid out chiastically, which means the beginning matches the end, and it's parallels all the way to the poetic center of the book. And they tell me that a supercomputer could not have written the book of Revelation. It is so intricately complex in its poetic forms that no mind on earth could have put it together it is of divine origin but it wasn't just given for anyone in fact the book is not for the world at large at all it was given according to the bible to show his servants what must soon take place
0: we'll continue with today's reaching your heart and pastor michael oxen in just a moment if you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. So please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org video. That's reachinghearts.org video. Many archived messages are available there for you. And you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website. reachinghearts.org video. We will continue now with Pastor Michael Tanko and part one of the Revelation series, The Revelation of Jesus Christ.
1: At the end of time, most people in the world won't have a clue what's going on. I mean, end time events will be happening and they won't understand what's happening. The book was not given for them, just like the parables of Christ were not given for the world at large. It was given for those who understand, who are following Christ, who want to be deeper in. So if you don't want a relationship with Jesus, then don't bother to read the book of Revelation. Just don't bother. If you don't want to really know Christ, don't don't spend time there. But God is not satisfied, I believe, that his servants should be left in the dark about what's coming as it relates to Jesus. I have found over the years that people who love Jesus also love the study of the book of Revelation. I have also found that people who say they love Jesus but they talk down the book of Revelation really don't love Him because they stand in judgment on the very Word of God that reveals Jesus for time and in the last days. The text says it is a revelation of Jesus Christ of what must soon take place. The active Christ of history is the active Christ that can matter in your life. You see, of uh, things that must soon take place means the book is relevant today. It's not just for the end times, it's for every day leading up to it. The text says clearly the book of Revelation is a revelation of what must soon take place. Now there are three approaches for the study of prophecy. And I want to briefly go through them here. Two of these approaches arose in the Counter-Reformation, of the 16th century. And they were a direct attack upon the gospel which was re-envisioned in the Reformation. And those two views that arose in the Counter-Reformation are preterism and futurism. Two of these three, these two I've mentioned, are incompatible with the gospel and the clear word of God spoken in Scripture. Alright, number one, theory number one is preterism. It is the theory that the book of Revelation is all about the past And if that is the case, then God doesn't care about your today or your tomorrow. It's just kind of rude in the past. The Antichrist was Caesar. Nero, 666, probably relates to him. It's not concerned about the future. It's really just the hopeful aspirations of people who can't figure out what's going on. And so it's kind of a secular, reductionistic view that doesn't believe God can predict the future. Preterism. It arose in the Counter-Reformation to defeat the reemergence of the gospel and prophetic understanding in the 16th century. Theory number two is futurism. Now, it's the most popular theory today. It's in the evangelical world. In fact, it is widely held by most Christians today. It was made popular by the Left Behind series. It's a relatively new theory in the Christian church, and it holds the view that the book is mainly about the distant future focusing on a tribulation week in which God will deal with an individual who is the Antichrist, a person who will be born miraculously like Jesus. It was made famous by the movie Damien. And it is really what's held by most Christians today. Now, salient question here. Here's the salient question. If it's all about one seven-year period at the end of time, then what about this week, this day, this hour, my struggle with God right now? I mean, people talk about that time of trouble It's coming. Antichrist will come. You know, there'll be this terrible secret rapture they talk about, which is not in the Bible. It's simply fantasy. The Bible says in Revelation 1-7, you don't get far in the book of Revelation. For the book of Revelation says, behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him, and all the nations of the earth will mourn because of him. He will be a global event. It will be as lightning Jesus says moves from the east and shines to the west. There's no such thing as a secret rapture in Scripture. There are no two days of the Lord. There's only one day. And when Christ comes back, he's not eloping with his church. He's coming in the glory of his Father to receive his saints in the resurrection and to receive them alive. I mean, so it's incompatible with Scripture. And so the silly question is here if it's all about the future, about one tribulation week in the future, then what about this week? What about this year? What about the trouble of the Middle Ages? What about the trouble of times in which we live? Doesn't God care about that? Dear heart, the book of Revelation is about things that happen now and tomorrow. It is a revelation of Jesus' care and God's deep concern for you personally every day of your life to the end of time. It embraces the church universal. There are seven churches in Revelation because seven is the word for completeness. It embraces the church from the beginning of the apostolic age to the end of the age. Preterism and futurism proclaim a morally impotent God who doesn't care enough to be the God of history. And we happen to live in history. Jesus told his disciples, Lo, I am with you. What did he say? Always to the end of the age. The historical view of prophecy, which is the right view, the third one, is the apostolic understanding of Bible prophecy. It's not the popular view, but it's the right one. It was held by the early Christian fathers who resisted the early apostasy in the Christian church predicted by the prophet Daniel. They studied Daniel. They saw it coming. They prepared for it. It was the understanding of many Christian martyrs in the Middle Ages who knew that Jesus was with them in the flames of martyrdom as they died for the living Christ. And the men and women who died to translate and give us the Bible at the latter end of the Middle Ages were largely encouraged by the historical understanding of the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. Dear heart, prophecy is history with Jesus in it. It held these people close to God. And it will hold you close to God too. It is his story, history, all the way down the timeline of a troubled history to the end of time. Jesus is with us every day. History is His story as the potentate of time and the ruler of the kings of the earth. This is life eternal that they might know Thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Revelation is a revelation of history, sure enough. But it is His story worked out for your personal life through time. The book of Revelation talks about the time of the end and the hour of God's judgment that happens at the time of the end, no doubt. But it also begins with the revelation that will soon take place. The time of the end is in the future, sure enough, in the book of Revelation. But the last days are inaugurated by the coming of the Son of God. And so it begins with a holy urgency that the coming is near. The book is a guidebook for the Christian church throughout every troubled age, all the way down to the end of time. Now, if the preterist view of prophecy is true... Then God doesn't care about his people in time after the day of the original prophet. God is kind of stuck in the past, unable to interact with the future. If the futurist view of prophecy is true, God doesn't care about his people in time either because he's only concerned with the end. The historical view of prophecy is the moral view and the right view. Because it agrees with the gospel that God cares about you every single day of your life. That he cares about the church in every age. That his guiding power is with his people to the end. The Jesus of the gospels is an everyday Jesus. Did you hear me? Christ of the gospels is an everyday savior. And the prophecies are meant for every day and for the last day. And prophecy must agree with the gospel to be its proof. You see, there is a moral purpose for prophecy. And if you miss the moral purpose of prophecy, you do not understand it. Neither of these two views, which fought the concept of righteousness by faith in the latter part of the counter-reformation, are possible as moral in the plan of God. They cannot support the truth of the gospel. Only the historical view of prophecy is moral. In the book of Revelation, Jesus sent his angel to John. Revelation 22:16 affirms this fact.
0: Well, that will conclude the first portion of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, the first installment in the Revelation series here on Reaching Your Heart. And thank you so much for listening today. Again, a reminder, you can visit us at the church for the worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock. We'd love to have you there. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707, 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road,